with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Yes, it is. It's Film Reviews and Movie News with me, Stuart Pink. And some say he doesn't have a birthday because he was genetically made from the DNA of a frog. It's Mark Searby. <laughs> is it true? It's, it's not true. No, I do have a birthday. Oh, oh. I do have a birthday, yes. I will and let you know it as well so uh, so you can send me a card and, and presents <laughs> as well. But, um... And a little bit of amber with a mosquito in it. Yes. Yes, that's it. That's what I want. What's one of them? Wouldn't that be the greatest present? I mean, would it... Seems a bit yeah. boring to me. Although, knowing me, I'll get the one that didn't have any Dino blood in it. You just, just have... bring back a cow. Yeah. <laughs> you just <laughs> have that, that, uh, that sort of uh, shiny thing that you can just rub. And it's got, the, you know, like where you get these, um, like, stress. I don't know what they are. They're like little stress. Um, they like little gooey things. Yeah, kind of. You could just get one of those and nothing in it. Or you'd get the one that's got a hole in it and the mosquito is still alive and it ends up biting you or something. <laughs> just flies out. Yes, just flies out. Oh right, okay, there we go. Yes, oh, yes. Fired. Yes, yeah. Spends the next week living in your room. Yeah, exactly. Got to try and find yeah. that, otherwise you can't go to sleep. You can just hear it every night. Oh, infuriating. Oh, yeah. Yes. So we speak obviously of mosquitoes uh, because it's a big week this week. It is. It is. We are returning to Jurassic Park. Well, kind of. Well, not really, are we? That's the thing. Well, they're returning to us. Yeah, yeah. Well, illusion. it's not Jurassic Park, is it? It's Jurassic World. That's the thing. So Jurassic Park was the original trilogy, and now Jurassic World is the new trilogy. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So the, the last two were technically Jurassic World. Yes, yes, they were. So yeah, yeah, yeah. so we're now back with you know another Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, it is set four years after the destruction of Island Nublar. Uh, obviously the island, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. The dinosaurs yeah. now live and hunt amongst humans, but this fragile existence is about to come under threat. Ooh. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah, it is. another asteroid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, an asteroid at the start of this trilogy would have suited me down to the ground. I've got to be honest. I I just did not like these previous two films in the Jurassic no. World. No, no, oh, no. Do you know, I didn't like the first of the new ones. Okay. Because I thought they were just reinventing the wheel. But the last one, where they had the whole volcano going off. You see. And should they or shouldn't they save the dinosaurs? I liked that. You see, that was the worst one for me. Because, really? oh. yeah, it stopped being a dinosaur movie and it was a monster movie because obviously they were genetically engineering dinosaurs and also humans yeah. as well. Well, a human. Um I was just like, no, this is this is not a dinosaur movie. This is not Jurassic. But I know, obviously, it's Jurassic World. I get that, and you know, it's, you know, it's up to date yeah. in the modern era. But at the same time, it's like, look, we're here for the dinosaurs. So, you know, this third part, which is obviously the final part of the Jurassic World trilogy, is basically the same as the other two movies, but with less dinosaurs. List on yeah, so right, right, so oh, for oh. A, at least two thirds of the film, the actual dinosaurs, the reason why Jurassic Park is so amazing to this day, are kind of forgotten about. They're in the film, but the plot doesn't need them. They feel like secondary characters in their own movie. I mean, there's a, there's a scene in this film, right, where there's a, there's a car chase sequence through the streets of Malta. And the dinosaurs mm. are chasing the cars. But if you took the dinosaurs out of the chase sequence, it still happens because it's about who the bad guys are trying to capture, basically. So as such, 
The film becomes a sort of Jason Bourne movie, but with just a few dinosaurs thrown in. <laughs> I know that sounds exciting. I know people are like, I can't believe it. Jason Bourne. With it. Honestly, it's not. Yes, yeah, in the middle of Jesse. Williams. Yeah, it's not. It's really not because the dinosaurs are ultimately surplus to requirements until the finale where they're shoehorned in. Get them right in there. Come on, we've forgotten about the dinosaurs. Shoehorn them in. Just to remind us, hey, don't forget, this is actually about dinosaurs. That's, that, that, I mean, that's it, basically, is that, you know, the dinosaurs are secondary in their own movie. You know, you know, in the first uh, Jurassic Park movie where Ian Malcolm, Dr. Ian Malcolm says, you're going to have dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour, right? You remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah right, yeah, which yeah. obviously, you know, has now been memed to death and whatever else. Well, I think <laughs> we can tweak that line for this new one, which is, you are going to have dinosaurs involved in the actual plot, yes? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, honestly. So, well, uh, speaking of Ian Malcolm as well, actually, it's nice to have him and the rest of the cast back, you know, the, the original cast. Yeah, they're all in it, aren't they? They are. They're all in it. And for anybody who's asking, it's not 10 minutes. They do have their own story. Yeah. They do have it, yes. Good. What's not nice is the fact that they've got them retreading the same series of plot points that happened back in the original film. There are lots of nods and in-jokes and references back to the original, so much so that it started to resemble a fan film rather than an actual big studio blockbuster. You know, why have the original cast come back and get them to do the same thing as previous? It's a waste. We've already seen that. We'll just watch Jurassic Park again. It's just pointless. This is the issue. Oh, I mean, the, but would the original fans enjoy that? Well, I'm in a, I'm well, a fan of the original. I saw the, oh, okay. the I saw the first one four times in the cinema, and then have seen it, you know, <laughs> countless times on DVD. Four hundred times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. I just don't get it. Um, I don't get it at all. Um, I mean, the same can be said of the new cast as well. Basically, they're part of this big Jason Bourne type action road trip where they have to track down their daughter. But it's all over the top and they get involved in car crashes and plane crashes where nobody suffers a single cut or bruise, okay, or broken arm. <laughs> of course. Yeah. They've, they've sort of become yeah. superheroes. Oh, yeah. Bulletproof. Yes. Yeah. Like there's, a, there's, a, there's a scene in the movie where a plane crashes and it's got Chris Pratt in it and he comes out and he's like, oh, lucky there. Like your plane just crashed. How have you? Literally nothing. And then he goes off. Indestructible. And, yeah. Crap. This is why I'm saying this. That it, it's like they're superheroes now. It really is. So you know, I do, the film has become well. This Dominion is some sort of human interest story. We're not here for a human interest story. We're here for the dinosaurs. Give us the dinosaurs, not Chris Pratt. Uh, speeding on a motorbike because he jumps into a moving aeroplane or some soppy soap opera story about the daughter uh, who is actually a science miracle. It's, that's not what the franchise is about. That's not what, uh, you know, Jurassic mm -hmm. Park, Jurassic World is about. It's about the dinosaurs. And the dinosaurs have been done a dirty here. They really have. I genuinely think this is the worst film of the trilogy. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, so I, I mean, in the trailer, there's lots of dinosaurs. So if you just watch the trailer, then 
There you go. <laughs> there you go. That, oh, that's, that's it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's how it is. And you know, the funny thing is, as well, is I was watching it, and I was thinking this film reminds me a lot of Predator Two, as in Predator set in the jungle. Uh, you know, really good, blah blah, blah etc. Jurassic Park, the original trilogy, set on the island, really good, blah, blah blah. And then Predator Two in the city, when the predator is hunting the humans, and it's awful. Jurassic World in the city where the dinosaurs are hunting the humans, sort of, still awful. Watch it. Thinking that, 10 minutes later, there is literally, and I'm not joking now either, there is literally a scene that has been stolen from the first Predator movie. <laughs> Little bit of careful plagiarism. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, I turned to the other half and oh, said, no. but that's from Predator. The scene is from Predator. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, just not a fan. I say so. So, I mean, on the big screen, do you still get the whole kind of, you know, little bit of little bit of scariness? Now, of that's thing. a good question. Do you still get that same emotional reaction when you see the dinosaurs first time on the big screen? Yes, you do, because they look yeah. amazing. That's the thing. You can't get away from going dinosaurs. Amazing. Look at them. And <clears throat> excuse me. We see new dinosaurs. They've got new dinosaurs in this, okay? And you go, wow, it still looks really good. Yeah. And then everything else around it just pulls the film down. But if you've been for the first time as a kid, you can still see real dinosaurs on the screen and uh, have your mind blown. Exactly. Exactly. Well, not even the first time. You know, for people like me, as I said, saw the first one four times in the cinema. I'm still blown away by dinosaurs on the big screen. I'm still like, this is amazing. This is absolutely brilliant. This is what I'm here for. I'm, yeah. I'm not here for everything else that they've put into this movie. A lot of extra package coming. There is. There is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shame. Ah, so Jurassic World Dominion, um, they shouldn't have gone into the long grass. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, I want to say something about that, but I can't because it would be a spoiler. Oh, okay. okay. So, <laughs> gotcha. I, yeah. So, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, say too much about it. Maybe we'll talk about it when it hits DVD and Blu-ray. Maybe I'll, I'll comment on the long grass issue um, then. But I won't say it now. I won't say it now. <laughs> okay. So, but they're all actually in it. It's not like it's the yeah. No, they're all in it. All the characters. That's the thing. They're oh, all they're in it. So you know, th- there's, there's the new team doing their own thing and then the old team and they meet up at the end for one big thing and you go, okay, right, cool. It's not good. It's still nowhere near good. This is the problem. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rubbish. Oh, but it is in cinemas now. It is in cinemas. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll go and watch it for you. And then we'll have an alternative view. I'm a massive fan of Jurassic Park. You see, this is the, see, this is the thing. You just said you're a massive fan of Jurassic World. Yeah. The last one was it Fallen Kingdom, whereas I wasn't. So I'm really interested to know what you think about this, because obviously you being a fan of that, and I'm curious to know where this goes. I've seen a lot of people. Do you know what? I've seen a lot of people compare this, uh, the Jurassic World trilogy, to the recent Star Wars trilogy, as in the first film, very mm. much a retread of the original. The second movie, trying something completely different. And the third movie, completely doing, undoing all of that and basically being a fan flick film. Yeah. Uh, so it could, could go either way. So, yeah, I, I think it depends yeah. on how you feel about the second Jurassic World movie as to how you'll feel about the third. Um, as I said, I 
I just don't like any of the Jurassic World movies. I don't think they understand that actually the films are about dinosaurs and not about Chris Pratt or they a genetically... Patented it. They patented it and they slapped it on a plastic lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. What is it? Uh, no, it, what, oh, What's the phrase? Nobody... Uh, you didn't think you? Oh, I don't know what it is. Whatever that famous phrase is from from Jurassic Park, you know that uh, Ian Malcolm said. I'm trying to think what it was now. Hold on, hold on. Um, you were so preoccupied so, with whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. Oh, there it is. That's the one. Ooh, That's the one. Okay. That's the one. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to watch it anyway. I'll let you know. Yeah, I, as I said, I'm curious to know what you think. Awesome. The Jurassic World out now. Um, Dominion. What else you got for us, Mark? So on DVD and Blu-ray, we're going to be talking about... Well, we're going to review Licorice Pizza. Now, we already reviewed this, but here's the weird thing. We reviewed this in January. Okay? All right. Wow, that's taken a long time. That's six months. And it was in cinemas only. It's now on DVD and Blu-ray. And in this new era of... What did we say? It was six weeks from a film hitting cinemas to actually being on some sort of digital platform. Yeah. Six months is the old style of it. And I think, you know, Licorice Pizza, when it came out, it it came out the week after uh, the new year. And I think, well, it got really good reviews. I don't think it, it, it did as well as it should have done because it is an interesting film. It's it's set in the San Fernando. San Fernando Valley. I'll get there in the end. San Fernando Sorry. Valley in 1973. It's about Alana Kane and Gary Valentine. They're two teenagers who are running around and trying to navigate growing up and um, basically first love, really. So, you know, yeah, it's a, a sweet story. It is quite a sweet story. It's a coming of age movie. It is the new film from Paul Thomas Anderson. You know, he's the guy who gave us There Will Be Blood, Boogie Nights, Inherent Vice, etc., etc. Um and it's interesting because, as I said, it's coming of age tale, but it feels like a biographical tale as well. I get the feeling that Paul Thomas Anderson put his own stuff in here as well. So while oh, it's set in California, there is a sort of in the 1970s, there is a sort of timelessness to the to to what is taking place because it still goes on now. And also the characters of Alana and Gary, you know, it's very much love at first sight. Uh, trying to understand feelings and hormones and it's it's a very peaceful romance story it's a very quiet love affair shall we say um yeah and i think you know there's there's bits that just pull you in because of the everydayness of of what's happening you know just walking around high school trying to you know, get rid of all of the attention from the boys, is Alana. Um, you know, it, it's bits like that. It's other bits as well. There's just little romance moments in it which make the overall experience of watching the film such a really entertaining watch. I mean, the entire film rests on the shoulders of Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman as Alana and Gary. Um, so I think if you don't buy into either of them or both of them, you're not going to buy into the, into the central premise of the young lovers because that's what the film is saying. It's these two people. These are people who you've got to really like. I think yeah. Cooper Hoffman as Gary is really good. He's very entertaining. He's a very confident young man. You enjoy watching the highs and lows he goes through. He is 
he's an up and coming actor as well, which he likes to brag about. Um, he seems <laughs> to have the gift of the gab as well. Um, uh, you know, he's he's a cheeky chappy. Okay, there's a let's put it that way, right? Yeah, nice yeah. guy. However, I do think it is Alana Heim who is a revelation here. She she's got a way of reeling off this dialogue that feels like it is very natural. And it's a lot of dialogue she's got as well. That's the thing. A lot of dialogue. But she makes it so effortless. That's the thing. She's got long scenes as well. And you kind of think, well, she's been acting for ages. You know, this is natural. She hasn't. This is her feature film debut. She's a musician. She is. I was going to say, yeah, she's a from she's the in, band isn't she yeah she's from the band time that's the thing she's one of the sisters um so i i really i i'm blown away by her performance in this i really am um amazing yeah i just you know there's something quite spellbinding about watching two characters like this be so engaged with each other and then fall in love and out of love and discover themselves and try and discover who they are in you know their late teens and early 20s as well the the highs and lows of adulthood is it i mean it's great this is the thing i really like this film i mean granted i didn't grow up in the san fernando valley in the 1970s um <laughs> i wish did yeah <laughs> but big handlebar mustache <laughs> and a, a nice uh, a nice golden tan as well um, yeah yeah <laughs> but the central theme of the idea, you know, the, the central coming of age story here resonates whether you're from the Cal- whether you're from the Sunshine State or whether you're from, you know, drizzly northeast of England. It doesn't matter. The central theme here is coming of age and trying to find out who you are as a person. That's what I like about this. It's a very sweet film. It's a very nice film. It's a really delightful movie. You know, I've seen it three times now nice. and I still... I still like being in that world. It seemed to sort of disappear a little bit when it went in the cinema. Yes. Is it, do you think it's because it's a bit of an old-fashioned kind of story? It's a bit sort of um, retro in a nice sort of sweet story set in the 70s. It's a good question. And I, I think possibly, and this is just my opinion here, I think possibly is that people looked at it and went, I'm not going to connect with that because it is set in the 70s. It's set in California. It's a whole other ball game. Um, mm. And especially releasing it, you know, in the middle of winter as well. That's... Um, that's yeah, it looks like a summary. Kind of yeah, exactly. Film, so I, yeah. I can see why possibly it didn't connect that much. But now, you know, we're in summer. Um, it's, the, it's the perfect time to watch something like this. It's all sunshine and young love. You know, it's the... T- it's a first date type of movie. Lovely. Yes. Lovely. Yes. Is that why it's taken six months to come out? Yes. That's what they wanted. <laughs> Will they? <laughs> won't they? I'm not too sure. Let's wait six months and let's see what happens. So, yeah. Um, but I like this oh, film. Who's going to call who? I yeah. really like this film. You know, for me, it's... Um, I, I think I'd... When we reviewed it first, I think I'd said, you know, it's some sort of spiritual sequel to something like Once Upon a Time in America... Uh, sorry, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's also some sort of spiritual sequel to something like The Virgin Suicides as well. Granted, not with the same ending, but, you know, something like that. Or Boyhood as well. You know, there the, there is very much a line that you can draw through these movies straight to Licorice Pizza. Excellent. I will see more of Alina Hine. I Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Having said that, amazing musician anyway you know i've seen them live twice i like their music so 
if she's turning around, if she's turning around <laughs> and saying I'm not going to make another film for a while, we're we're going to make more music. I'm fine with that. If she turns around and says I'm not going to make more music at the moment, I'm doing some more acting. I'm fine with that as well. Just make sure she does both. She doesn't need sleep. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, you know, there are people out there who do both effortlessly. So you know, exactly. Um, obviously, me and you included. You know, I can't do one thing. So never mind about <laughs> two. Never mind about it. <laughs> Excellent. Where was you go for his back? Uh, so I've got a film called Swan Song. This is about a former flamboyant hairdresser um, who takes a long walk across a small town to style a dead woman's hair. Oh, as you do. Yeah, exactly. Right. Gig so, of a lifetime. So what we should say is this is not the same film that we reviewed. What was it last year? Did you tell me off there last year? Yes, was there was another Swan so Song. So there was another there? Swan Song last year by uh, that starred Mahershala Ali that was on Apple TV. This is not that. This is in cinemas. This is a film very starring... Very different film. The very different film. This is a film starring Udo Kier, who plays the lead role in the film. Uh, he's such a fascinating actor. He really is. I think a lot of people will know him for, uh, for starring in horror movies throughout the decades. Um, distinctive look. Very distinctive look. Face. However, he's done close to 300 acting roles now. Okay, wow. yeah, Blimey. really varied stuff as well, really varied, which, yeah. you know, I think is phenomenal. I th- I'm like, wow, amazing. Um, I'm going to guess that his performance in Swan Song is nowhere near anything he has done before. I mean, I've not seen most of, <laughs> most of his output. Anyway, I have to guess as, you know, it's, that's such a big filmography, but I don't think he's ever played a gay hairdresser with dementia before. I don't think it's ever been done. I don't think I've it's ever been it. done on screen before. No. That's the thing. I've seen it. You know, I, I certainly <laughs> yeah. haven't seen it either. So I think kudos to Udo Kier and writer-director Todd Stevens for making a film that really stands out. And yet at the same time, it all feels very real and very normal. Granted, a man with dementia being hired to do a dead woman's hair, isn't that normal? I've got to be honest. <laughs> but in this film, it feels very normal. And also at times a bit surreal as well. It, yeah. It's... I mean, it's a slow film, okay? It's not racing away with the story. It very much is Pat Pitzenberger's slow day. He's the he's the uh, gay hairdresser, Pat Pitzenberger. Um, but I was completely caught up in it. Even from the start where he's trying to escape the nursing home, there is a sense of warmth to Pat. He very much knows where he is most of the time still, but there are things he doesn't know, which mainly revolve around hair products being discontinued in this new day and age. So so while he's wandering across the town, he's also trying to track down his favourite hair products. He's also trying to avoid his arch nemesis in the hairdressing world, uh, a woman called Dee Dee Dale as well. I'm pleased I got that all in one go. Um, it is a film filled with kooky characters and slightly off-centre storytelling. I was really engrossed all the way through, mainly due to Udo Kier being so over the top flamboyant that it just made me smile all the way through. Um, yeah. And, you know, I ju- that's the thing. It, it, I want to say it's a slow moving drama, but it's kind of fun. It's a comedy as well. That's the thing. And not in a bad way. You know, you're not laughing at the characters in such a way because they're, they're forgetting things. You know, Pat Pitzenberger isn't, is forgetting things, but you don't laugh at him for it. That's the thing. I think on some level I'm reminded of David Lynch's A Straight Story in terms of this movie's storytelling and its central character. You know, it's a movie 
to just kind of enjoy in the moment. It's a rather delightful little movie. Plus, you get to see Udo Kier dance on stage with a chandelier on his head. <laughs> yeah, that's in the trailer. It's, okay, it's right. So it's in the trailer. You've seen it. Yes. It's amazing. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful, wonderful. It's worth seeing the film just for that scene because it's fantastic. It's really good. It's really fun. I like this movie. I really did. It caught me off guard. I kind of thought, yeah, this this looks like it could be interesting. I had such a good time with this movie. I really did. Nice. Yeah, I've just seen the trailer and then I thought it looks like one of those films you could probably easily miss if you're not looking for it, especially. But yes, if you stumble across it, it looks like a right laugh. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those movies. But it's so wonderful. It really is so wonderful. It's so entertaining. Nice. So Swan Song out on DVD? No, it's in cinemas. It is in cinemas. Oh, right, okay. um, but obviously when it hits DVD and Blu-ray, we will absolutely talk about it again because more people should see this film. Because if you're having a bad day, this is the movie to watch to cheer you up. It's so much fun. It really is. <laughs> And if you're a hairdresser and you remember all those old products, well, do you know, it's, strike a cold. it's funny you say that because my mum <laughs> yeah. has been a hairdresser for, oh. I'm going to say about 40 years now. So I have been banging on about this film to her and said, you've yeah. got to go and see it. Even if, you know, you're, you're not a fan of the, the main storyline for all of the hairdressing nods and, and uh, little things that they use and whatever else I said, I've got to know if they're all still used. I said, you'll love it. So I'm waiting for her um, review of it as well. She's going to say to you, I remember Pat Pitzenberger very well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, or she'll <laughs> say, I know a lot of D.D. Dales. I, I've met a lot of D.D. Dales through the years. <laughs> so, yeah. Amazing. What you got for us next week, Mark? So next week, we're going to talk about a British film called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. It stars Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormack, who people might know from uh, Peaky Blinders. We're also oh, nice. going to be talking about a comedy uh, called Unplugging. It's the story of a couple who decide to do away with technology for an entire weekend. And then... Sounds like a horror. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to talk <laughs> about The Batman because it's hitting DVD and Blu-ray. So we're going to have another discussion about it um, and see where we lie. You know, what is it? Three months after it hits cinemas, you know, does it's it chance to settle in? Does it stand up to repeat viewings or is that three hour runtime a bit of a slog? So we're going to talk about the Batman <laughs> again. Um, yes. So there we go. That's the three films we'll do next week. Excellent. I'm, I'm terrified at the thought of unplugging, but excited at the thought of putting <laughs> a big black cape all over again. <laughs> yes, um, a strange uh, double bill there, I think. Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Thanks for listening to Film Reviews and Movie News. We've been doing this little podcast for years now. Mark has watched and expertly reviewed hundreds of films and I've made hundreds of terrible jokes. They're all available to listen to again if you subscribe to the Film Reviews and Movie News podcast. It's freely available wherever you get your podcasts from, or you can find all the latest episodes and everything else I do online at stuartpink.com. <laughs>